stage. We are clear. Stand by. Stage reset and house lights. Thanks, team, for another great show. I'll see you all backstage. This is Designed to Change Backstage Conversations. Welcome backstage, Danielle de Jong. Do you remember that feeling when the curtains closed and people were clapping and you could hear that walkie-talkie? Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah? <laughs> How do you feel right now? It's great to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I'm very happy. Let's, um, let's, let's, let's pretend, let's, let's, let's take that narrative moment that you asked me just before we went off stage, right? Mm-hmm. Or from on stage to backstage, because you said... Um, one year from today, you know, we're having this onstage conversation and you would replicate the question back to me. What, what would make it the most terrific um, and um, exciting year that, that, that um, I could have had you know, in, in this horizon of change? Um, and I love that question because making a future point in time tangible forces you to articulate that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. It's remembering the future. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, redesigning my own life right now, there's so many changes going on that I can't wrap my head around is, is a mm. big, that's like a big ask, right? So, I'm, <laughs> so my head is like exploding with ideas. And it's actually something that uh, some of these things I think will be left to chance. But I do believe in like, you know, um, I do believe in the fact that if you think something out or think towards a future state that you can actually, you know, get there more easily. So you have to be able to picture what the future states look like. Yeah. Um, let, let, me, let me give a quick recap on like maybe a year from today. So today we have, let's say, and I'm talking from the business side for a second. Uh, we've brought out a book called Design to Change in 2021, written over the, um, over the, um, over the COVID period but nowhere does it have the word COVID in it. Mm-hmm. The Events on Handbook came out in 2016. So that's five years old now. Then it will be six years old. It's in its third publication. This one is in its first publication. I would love to have um, um, at least double, but probably triple the amount of conversations we've had with the podcast, because I really enjoy these conversations. Uh, Thanks to guests like you, Danielle. Thank you for taking the time to spend it with us and our listeners. The conversations enrich our thinking. They also enrich our community. I'd love to see our community be a super hybrid community. We now have 20,000 people in the community. By next year, I think we can double that number and have 40,000 people there. Um, I think we will have, instead of 535 certified event designers, we might be able to have maybe... 650 or 700 um, um, although it takes time right for people to mm-hmm. become certified and you know we if you're listening and, and thinking about doing this uh, that's a big number because it's a it's a three day and six months investment for people to actually kind of go through that process but yeah. it's been done before um, I'd really love to see more proof of event design working in practice over time, right? So as an example, next Tuesday, 
at Global May Meetings Industry Day, we'll celebrate one of the certified event designers, somebody from Wikimedia, uh, who became a certified event designer, who said at first, I need your help to design this because I, you know, it's, it's, it's something that is such high stakes, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. And then now in the second edition, he became a certified event designer. Uh, we did coach him a little bit, but he, he's now done the whole design for the year two completely on his own with his team. Oh, wow. And that to me is like the ultimate aim for what we do. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you learn how to do this, then start doing it yourself, but also feedback how over time this has helped you in the dialogue with, you know, in this case, his new CEO. How do you talk to C-level people regarding change over time and how events create a value? Um, if we can get our community to do more of that sharing based mm-hmm. on evidence, right? Mm-hmm. So I was super, super excited last week. We got a piece of academic research where over a two years period, students or um, at a university, they measured how students learn using this methodology and how it changes their desire to learn. To me, that was like an epiphany when I read the content of that. We'll put the link in the comment box okay. if you want to read it. Um, uh, Dr. Noel Naylor did that at Stockton University with her students over two years. And to me, understanding the underlying motivations of what students do and how they learn is critical in then bringing that to more students and for the right reasons with the right motivation and the right grit, right? Mm. So another metric there could be something like we currently have 25 universities doing this across the planet. How cool would it be to add another 10 right in the next year? Like go to 35, like that would be super cool because 35 university means times 25 to 80 students or 100 students per university. To me, that's the future of event design is of those people. The young workforce and think force takes what these principles are and is able to facilitate in organizations these conversations on change. Mm -hmm. Because their motivators are super strong. They know what they want. They know how to set the markers. Um, But they need to learn the skill of being the facilitator that doesn't force the markers but that enables the markers to be, you know, happening. So that's kind of, yeah. And then on the personal note, I want to become a better Alphorn player, maybe pick my trumpet back up to uh, make some serious jazz. Um, You know, find those things that at one point in my life were really important things that kind of faded to the background, (laughs) bring them back to the foreground. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, I look forward to hearing about how all of that plays out. Now I have a and problem because it's been. you just said it, you're, it's more likely to happen. You recorded it, Danielle. So it's uh, you pushed this onto me. So if <laughs> I would ask you the same question, besides helping other people in their horizon of change, because you've just done that to me, right? Mm-hmm. What what does it look like to you, like a year from today, if you would articulate that? Hmm. Well, of course you turn it back to me. <laughs> it's a boomerang question. <laughs> um. So I think that, you know, I shared with you last time, I've been moving into this facilitation on its own. I've previously just used facilitation as a way to help with my investing and consulting business. Um, But facilitation as itself um, is something that I have recently gotten into in the last couple of years, really since the the pandemic happened and we all started to learn these virtual facilitation tools. Um, So I would love to grow and develop that ability um, with virtual facilitation specifically. 
Um, I also want to continue to help really great leaders um, get to their goals. So I, I can't share what those are, but I have some people in mind that I really want to see do some certain things by next year. Um, and, and really, I want to just continue growing my business. I think that we're at this unique moment in time um, where we have, a, we have the ability to really make an impact on the people and the planet. Um, and it's not just one or the other. I think that now is the time to really think about everything holistically. And we're at this place where we have all of the technology, all of the ability to communicate with each other across the globe um, to solve these problems. And I, I, I hope that I can have some small impact um, in bringing these worlds together to affect change um, and to help people really move forward, um, ultimately for humanity. Um, but I really want to see more good in the world. And I hope that I can help that um, by helping leaders who are doing that every day. Well, you've been a chief illuminator on this conversation. So uh, <laughs> Danielle, I really enjoy uh, back to the to the seat of intention, right? Because I, I think with how you narrate just this example shows me that um, <clears throat> your, your, your ability to think about investments not just in mon monetary terms but also in in story terms right in, mm. in relationship terms and how you talk to other people or how you get them to think about these things i think that's one of the that's one of the most critical facil facilitation skills that you need to also maybe develop some courage around when i'm thinking about mm -hmm. let's say those those students i was talking about earlier um one of the biggest hurdles that I or like blockers or lack of enablement that I see is that there's a perceived, um, let's say there's a perceived lack of, of, of clout or lack of like, um, I don't know if it's skills, but it's probably attitude. There's a lack of mm -hmm. attitude to not so much of themselves because <laughs> I see this in my own kids, right? I see my daughter bumping into some, some classical like institutionalized thinking with a very progressive mindset mm -hmm. where the values that are being talked about are one thing, right? Like on the front shell of, 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 of the thing, right? There's, there's all this talk of, let's say what it could or should be, right? The stuff you read in the human resources articles and yeah. you know, job descriptions and all the fluff on the front, but how the real behaviors and beliefs are actually institutionalized within the system to then enable that to be used quickly, effectively, innovatively. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's, and I'm wondering how that, you know, eggshell can be, you know, gently, um, but elegantly opened, not crushed, but opened, right? But I almost mm -hmm. see it like, you know, at Easter, we have this tradition where we, we hard boil the eggs and we kind of hit the eggs, you know, at each other, right? Or, or like the eggs bump and you either, make a dent in the other person's egg or your egg wins, right? That, that kind of competition at the brunch moment, <laughs> which is mm -hmm. upcoming. Um, th that's, that's how equal it should be, right? Age, experience, uh, no. We all have the same kind of, you know, hard boiled egg that we need to, from time to time, knock against each other to, to see if it makes a little dent in the universe or in, in the egg, mm -hmm. right? And I think we have to be vulnerable and open to those kinds of, um, uh, things 
but the intention of that is where is where the egg breaking or the egg um, concaves, right? So it's about the intention of how you approach it. I don't know if you've ever, ever tried that, but if you haven't... I haven't, but now yeah. I will with a very different mind. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And and there's something about being willing to just step into it too, yeah. um, to just do it anyway, even though you're uncomfortable or even though you're afraid or whatever the case may be, just go for it and just step into it. And, um, you know, I'm obviously a woman and um, I started my career in private equity and there's really not many women in the finance field in general, much yeah. less in private equity. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I dealt with throughout my career. Um, but for me, I just used it as an opportunity yeah. um, because I was willing to work harder than everyone else and do whatever I could um, to prove myself. Yeah. And and there's something that you develop when you just go for it. And, mm -hmm. and maybe it's grit, maybe it's perseverance. Um, maybe it's just a willingness to, to risk things. Um, but if you don't put yourself out there, you never try and yeah. you never learn. Um, and so that's how you gain the, that confidence and you gain the skills and you gain the ability to just walk into a room and try it. Yeah. And there's no other way to do it other than that. You can think about it all day. But to your point or from our onstage conversation, at some point you have to stop thinking and just do. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so if the purpose of you know, thinking is to stop thinking, and uh, maybe to start doing, right? Maybe that's the mm -hmm. thing that comes after that. Um, uh, what I let, let, uh, let me share my observations of just the conversations we've had, because we've never met face to face, we've met in these Zoom calls. Yeah. Um, but you have um, an attitude that is, there's a Dutch, <clears throat> there's a Dutch word, I don't think it translates. In Dutch, it's called ontwapenend. That's uh, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a word that is, um, um, it almost means that the other person lets their guard down in a positive way in order mm -hmm. to be more accessible to have the conversation or to to exchange ideas mm -hmm. and thoughts and and mm -hmm. maybe reduce um, beliefs or not 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 reduce beliefs but I would call it so it's a positive way of letting the guard down right yeah. uh, which is something that right from the first moment you start a conversation. I don't know if that's a facilitation skill or if it's an attitude or I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it works magic, Danielle. So, uh, oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you for reflecting that back to me. Yeah. Um, that means a lot, especially coming from you. You've had so much experience with this and um, facilitated so many conversations with people. I'm, I'm curious, what's been the biggest thing that you look back on and you say, yeah, that was the best event I've ever done? Oh. To me, well, it's it's um, um, to me that because they're all moments in time, but probably the one that has the that's that's had the biggest um, impact from that respect that has allowed me to let my guard down and really consider things in a very different way mm -hmm. was um, an event that I did as my management traineeship, um, which strangely enough I spent six months organizing a dinner for 900 people, right? Why do you spend six months organizing a dinner for 900 people? Well, the whole reason was is this was, you know, and I'm dating myself here in terms of um, when this was, but it was in 1993, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and this was a benefit dinner co-organized by 17 five-star hotels in Amsterdam. 
the second year after the World's AIDS Congress came to Amsterdam. And the first year there was a huge um, initiative because this conference was moved one year out, out of Boston into Amsterdam because the promise of the event could not be fulfilled in Boston because of government regulation. So imagine some of the stigmas around HIV and AIDS at the time, mm -hmm. where buddy systems were a big thing. And that was the topic of conversation, making it more accessible. And what was very interesting there is that um, because this event wasn't planned to happen, but now had to be planned, because it's a big event, right? The World AIDS Congress mm -hmm. <laughs> just landed in Amsterdam a year out. All of the hotels of a sudden, instead of having an empty summer, had a very well-booked summer. And this event um, turned out to be like a pivotal moment in terms of how people could address this on a national level, even in a country like the Netherlands. Now, the thing is, I wasn't the trainee in year one, but at the end of the first year, the initiative taker of this event, you know, they had a couple of glasses of drinks and they had a, a very good dinner. <laughs> they said in all enthusiasm, we should do this again next year, right? And guess who got the job to put that event together? You. <laughs> Me and one other trainee then had to pick up the pieces and put this together in year two. So the monumental effort in year one where everybody worked as a volunteer, you know, the general managers were washing the dishes and the dishwashers were running the show, right? So it was like the world turned upside down, you know, 900 people having dinner on Dam Square in Amsterdam in front of the Royal Palace, right? Imagine like open air in Amsterdam in July. It can rain in the Netherlands, as you know, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but this, this event has been such a pivotal moment where I saw the power of volunteerism and the will and drive behind a promise or the willingness to make something clear that time investment is the only kind of currency that really matters. Hmm. And on top of it, this event has been so pivotal, not just in year one and year two, it's still around. This event is still happening today, every single year, right? Wow. Um, to the great regret, and this is also the other thing that fascinated me, was, you know, the mission of the World AIDS Conference is to make itself no longer needed. That's an awesome mission to have, right? Mm -hmm. like, like, imagine if we don't need to have this event because it's all solved, right? Yeah. We don't have this um, disease anymore across the planet. Well, up until today, the conference has been growing year on year. <laughs> And it almost becomes a business in itself, right? So that's, that's part of, you know, evolution doesn't always mean that something achieves its mission, but sure. on its way to its mission, it, it takes steps. So anyway, to me, that was probably one of the most pivotal moments in my career at that time. But I love every next event design, to be honest. Like I, the one that's next is the one that's probably my favorite. <laughs> right. Well, because you get excited about it. Because <laughs> I don't know what it is yet. You know, it's like, ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, last time we talked, you were saying that there, there's this big opportunity right now um, where people, the events have been, you know, kind of postponed for a couple of years and now they're coming back. And you're hoping that this year can be the year that people think about events differently and design events with different kind of intentionality. Yeah. Um, what do you think the challenge is to making that happen? Like how, how can we all get together and help make that happen? Because we are at this unique moment in time for events. Well, I, th I think it started with what you said, right? So <clears throat> the seed of intention can make the biggest difference, right? So not leaving them to chance. Mm -hmm. um, if we allow people, I mean, 
one of our missions was to rid the world of mediocre events. That's kind of a negative way of approaching our mission, right? But, um, but COVID actually did us a really big favor because it got rid of all the mediocre events. The problem is it also got rid of the really good ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but before we go back, rushing back to, oh, let's do all these events without thinking about them, now is a moment in which the seed of intention, right? Uh, now we have a way to not leave it to chance because the way we create events or design events today is no longer broken. It's actually been thought through and there is a process that's proven to work. And so, um, but in order to do that, you know, in, in the opening of our first book, there's a quote by Julius Solarius that says, if you want to change behaviors, you need to be ready to change yours. That's the whole thing, right? Like what you were saying, um, not just jumping back into the old mode of operation, but actually taking a bit of time to think, then to stop thinking and start doing. But first take the time to think, to explore this challenge that you just mentioned and learn from all the good and the bad that we've done. Because we, for two years we've been restricted. There's all sorts of stuff we couldn't do. So we went really extreme yeah. in experimenting in ways that we could do these differently. So we now have a much wider spectrum um, but we now need to think more carefully of events, not just on how this one event creates value, but how does it, um, how does it allow you to craft, quantify, and celebrate progress over time, right? This, 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 to me, that is so critical to see a series of events. And the way that we like to think about that, Danielle, is probably how the C-level people you work with on a daily basis think about their overarching aim of their organization. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a finite mission, but there is a flag on top of a mountain very far away. That's like, that's where we're headed, right? right. But as soon as you cross one of the horizons, you know, new horizons come up and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's always new mountains that, you know, that you see beyond that, that are cool to kind of see if you can climb them. Absolutely. And to me, if you're able to set the marker far enough away, if you're bold enough to do that, and that's my, that's my call, call for leaders or people you speak to, uh, Danielle, is sustainable investing in events for me would mean uh, think long-term about where, where would it be you know, five years or eight years from today. Even though you can't even make your cash flow forecast for the next quarter, right? Or predict what you're gonna say at your next uh, um, uh, shareholders meeting, Forget about that challenge, but put the challenge for what your event looks like, the one that's your cultural coded Petri dish, you know, five years from today. Be bold and put that stake in the ground much further out and make it Mm -hmm. clear to the team in a narrative what that looks like. Because if they have something like that to hang on to or to grip onto and to design for, they'll tell you if the change is too big or if they don't get how to cover the five-year gap because they will then be able to slice it like a salami technique into smaller slices and say, to get there, we need 10 iterations. And in that cadence, right, the word you used before, if you find the cadence and the resonance in the organization as to what rhythm of change you need, like the frequency, the amplitude, again, falling back into the musical metaphors here, but I love those, those things because it's like when a good orchestra meshes into the context and you know the whole room starts reverberating and the crowd right. and everything gets lifted up right it's like as if people are levitated in some way exactly. the same thing can be done with events it's not easy but it can be done yeah. mm-hmm. that's my wish yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. And and that makes me think about strategy. And, and really, that is what strategy is. You're just talking about it in a slightly different way. Um, the way I think about strategy is the big mountain out there with the flag. We're going towards it. How we get there is our strategy. And it will change all the time. And then how you plan the events is it's basically the same thing it's what um, so it's bringing crowds. strategy to execution and one of those pieces of execution yeah. is great events yeah so on page 62 of the book that's kind of summarizes that whole book right i think that's that's the picture you were just describing yeah i love that which which is that whole idea of finding the right cadence because if you mm -hmm. build on that cadence and if you if you allow the wave to build the wave of change in a positive way through all these small iterations of change it's, it's finding the rhythm within the organization because there's a clockwork that's happening everywhere, but the way the clock ticks in each organization is different. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the, that's the leader's role. You know, the way Dave was describing it is like, you know, culture is like a garden and you're the gardener that needs to prune the trees and water and, you know, uh, allow the garden to grow, but over time, um, look at it in that way. And then there's the Eastern way of looking at it. If you listen to Sunil's, you know, episode on the podcast, which is, which is extremely interesting. It's also like, how do we, you know, we're not singular in our, in our ecosystem, um, but we have to find, we have to find the cadence in nature and in, in our surroundings first, in order to then find the cadence that we have within our organizations or within ourselves. So, mm -hmm. There's a right. lot of to find. <laughs> yeah, culture is very much top down. And if there's anything I've learned working with CEOs, they really do set the tone of the culture. Um, and then it's up to everyone else to contribute to it and add to that. Um, but CEOs who understand that culture is important, that understand that all of their stakeholders are important and can identify them and identify their wants and needs um, and think about the business holistically, their their organizations are more effective their people are happier um, they just are able to get a lot more done um, so the, the more we can bring this out to more ceos i think the better we are just as a as a world yeah yeah and i think that um the culture carriers and that responsibility it's 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 difficult because you can't you can't really control it you can only kind of um intentionalize what it represents and mm -hmm. be the planter of the first seed right that's 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 kind of you know the, the way it works and right and it takes patience right you've you've got to you've got to but like with people you know personalities get formed in the first seven years so if your event is still younger mm -hmm. than seven years uh, there's still hope to kind of craft the personality of your events right but the culture comes over time comes comes over multiple uh, decades and multiple generations of how the organization grows. Um, to me, one of the most inspirational ways of looking at that, uh, Danielle has been like looking at family businesses. We spoke about that before, right? Where, you know, family cultures and the way those businesses are formed over time in a very different dynamic than, you know, uh, public companies, for instance, or, um, so seeing those archetypes and seeing how their events are different is, is like, that's such a rich um, documentary almost, right? It's like, it's like a live version of Netflix that you can go to and they're happening all around you, right? Right. <laughs> 
So you just have to be curious, get, get invited, right? Be part of them, mm-hmm. observe them, study them. Um, that's, that's exactly what we encourage people to do. So, um, yeah. Oh, we could talk. I mean, we, we just, we could just talk till next year, Danielle. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I really, really enjoyed, um, hanging out with you and I, I'm sure our listeners, um, have all of these things that they now want to go and back and try and practice, right? Uh, do plan think or think plan do, right? That's mm-hmm. this allows them time to think. Um, let me ask you one question: where, where do you like if you listen to a podcast? Where do you listen to it? Like uh, right? primarily uh, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, and yeah. and like is it a, like is it when you go walking outside, when you drive your car, when you're in your office? Where, where do you listen to podcasts like as a space? It's usually while I'm doing something else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually interesting how you can multitask while, or not multitask, but you can listen to one thing. I think that's where Mm -hmm. audio is so powerful, right? That's why I love audio. And I'm an idea person. I love ideas. I'm always looking for inspiration. Um, So having something else going on also gives me lots of inspiration and ideas. Um, So every time I talk to you, I always end up with a notebook full of notes and (laughs) I'll probably have my whiteboard full um, in the next couple of hours because I have so many ideas. So yes, I love it. I love just hearing other people talk and hearing what they have to say and hearing what other people are excited about. Awesome. Danielle, this was a real treat. Thank you for for hanging out with us um, backstage. Um, Next year, we'll talk again, probably we'll talk much sooner again, um, uh, as soon as we have that opportunity, maybe we'll even meet in person somewhere sometime. Um, It was a treat. Thank you. For those of you that were doing other things while listening to the podcast, like the way Danielle likes to do, don't worry. All of the links and things that she mentioned are going to be in the comment section below, as well as the answers to those uh, six questions that we talked about and the link to the worksheet that you can then go to and fill it out yourself. So thanks again for hanging out and um, until we speak very soon again. Thank you so much. You've been hanging out backstage on Design to Change Designer Conversations. Thank you for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe and share conversations online using hashtag design to change and hashtag event canvas. Want more thought provoking content like this? Visit designtochange.online to purchase your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Don't forget it's more than just a book. Experience a hard copy, audio format, video format, and even augmented reality. Experience it in your style and format. Tune into our next episodes and hear from more designers and change makers. Until then, we look forward to our next conversation.